Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Hi, my name is Harold Gutierrez, Intercultural Ministries Director for POC in British Columbia and the Yukon. It is my privilege to bring to you uh, today's reflection for chapel. Today's reading will come from the Epistle of Jude and we'll read verses 8 through 14. Uh, this is coming from the CSB version of the Bible. Yet in like manner these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. They are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting out the phone of their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about this that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. The epistle of Jude, although short, one of the shortest books in the Bible, it has a very direct message. The premise of Jude is to encourage the believers to contend earnestly for the faith that was given to them. That's clearly stated on verse 3 of this epistle. For Jude, it seems that the gospel, which at this time had, been, had grown, had expanded uh, to different regions of the world, the gospel was coming under attack. And it was the believers, it was the churchgoers, it was men and women who had been touched by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that needed to rise up and watch out to keep the gospel entrusted to them pure and free from heresies. After all, this gospel, as glorious as it was, it had demanded sacrifices persecution. It had caused the lives of many of the leaders. At this time, Jude being one of the later writings in the New Testament era, uh, there had probably been a few martyrs for the faith. A lot of the 12 apostles that walked with Jesus had shed their blood for the sake of the gospel because they didn't recant it. And what to say about the blood of Jesus himself. In other words, this gospel was too glorious, too costly, too life-saving to be tainted 
by heresies, to be tainted by lies. Satan was working overtime to uh, corrupt, to distort, to counterfeit the truth of the gospel. I read once that before the, adva- the, before the technological advancements of our day, uh, there were waves that banks will train their tellers into how to tell a real bill from a counterfeit one. This training required extensive time with the bills. The tellers were supposed to touch them, to look at them, to notice differences, to get to know the real thing so good and so close that they will spot a counterfeit bill from a mile away. They will notice things that will go otherwise unnoticed. They will feel things that will go otherwise unfelt. They had to get to know the real bills so well. They knew their mind register how they looked and how they felt. And by doing that, they were trained to spot a false or a counterfeit bill. And I believe that that is what Jude is, is doing here in this letter. He's helping the church identify where the counterfeit voices of the church are. The first thing that uh, is very uh, prominent and very specific in this passage is where those counterfeit voices are coming from. It's easy to think, well, he's probably referring to detractors, to atheists, uh, maybe Jewish people that uh, were still upset about Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, or no, maybe it was the Romans, uh, Roman soldiers, Roman centurions, Roman politicians, uh, that in order to preserve the worship of Caesar, they were uh, talking about the church, talking about Christianity, talking about the believers and harming them. But it was not so. In the passage that we read, we learn that the most harmful voices in the church at this time came from within. They were attending the same feasts, the same gatherings as everyone else. And that is where Jude uh, feels encouraged and stirred by the Holy Spirit to write these things to them and to us. To let us know that in every generation, the loudest and most harmful voices uh, to Christianity and to the cause of the gospel will come from within. That Satan will move and will bring uh, false witness through voices in the church more so than voices outside of the church. The few verses that we read... Uh, teaches us a couple of things about these counterfeit voices. Number one, it reveals us their spirit. It's interesting that um, Jude describes how they operate. It talks about them being motivated to speak and denigrate and blaspheme is actually the word used, uh, the leadership of the church. Uh, the, the, the counterfeit voice 
inside a church, inside the Christian community, will always uh, sow dissent and division, will challenge authority, will usurp it, will take privileges for themselves, and, and, and try to assume some kind of control over everyone else in order to sway them away from the true authority, which is Jesus Christ, and into their own sphere of authority. You mentioned, and they, he gives specific examples from the Old Testament. He says that they were greedy like Balaam, that they were laid astray by greed, just like Balaam in, in the Old Testament, that they were rebellious and disobedient like Korah and his followers in the wilderness, and also that they walked in the way of Cain. What's so significant about these three specific examples is that all these three men had significant authority given by God. Korah was a priest, was a Levite. He had a defined role in the worship of the Lord in the tabernacle. It was a privilege that he had. He had been given a great role, but he wanted more. Balaam, uh, although a pagan, although someone that wasn't an Israelite, uh, had a gift of prophecy. And Cain, what to say about Cain? Well, Cain was the first firstborn. Uh, the Bible makes a big deal about being the firstborn. Guess what? Cain was the first was the first firstborn in humanity's history, being the oldest son of Adam and Eve. They all had privileges, and yet they were so consumed with themselves that they harmed, they brought destruction through their words and actions to God's people. And in doing so, by exalting themselves above their own sphere of authority, try to destroy what God was doing. Cain murdering his brother, Balaam trying to speak curses on the people of God, and Korah bringing rebellion towards Moses and Aaron, what God has established as orderly for the protection and expansion of his cause, for the blessing of his own people, these men in their own time and in their own way rose beyond the privilege that they were given to speak against God-given authority. And Jude is saying, these people that were in the church at this time operating that way, that the counterfeit voices in the church will operate in a spirit of division. It will move to destroy the church to build or gain something for themselves. That's what's dangerous, is that they're motivated by something that brings them benefit. And so they will say and do and manipulate to destroy it in order that their own agenda prospers. Number two, reveals their condition. The examples that he gives, look at this on verse 12. Hidden reefs are your love feast. Shepherds feeding themselves. Waterless clouds. Uh, trees without fruits in autumn. Autumn was in Israel, at, uh, in the Middle East, uh, the season of harvest. 
So these are all contradictions from the natural world. A shepherd, in order to be a shepherd, needs to have sheep. A, a cloud, uh, in order to be a cloud of rain that will bring the water for the land, uh, it needed to have all the components of a, of a, of a, of a rainy cloud. Uh, you know, the trees in autumn or in fall season, needed to have fruits because that was the season of the harvest. And he'll describe these counterfeit voices in terms that were contradictory to the norm. So on the outside, they looked apart, but from the inside, they were empty. There was no connection to God. There was no selflessness. There wasn't a, a genuine, sincere, sold-out pursuit of God. And thus, they look the part of a Christian. They look the part of anyone that will sit on a service and throw up their hands and, 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 and look the Christian part, but they didn't live the Christian life. And that's the condition of the counterfeit voices of the church. And number three reveals their condemnation. When we bring verse 14 into perspective, I won't get into the whole thing of well, because this book is quoting from the book of Enoch, does that mean that first Enoch is canonized? That's beyond the scope of today's reflection. But what I will say is that by bringing about a prophecy about uh, the last days of, of God coming back to establish his kingdom, what I believe is, is, that's telling us is that this is going to be a reality that the church will face until Jesus comes back to establish his earthly kingdom. In other words, verse 14 is so important to the understanding of the whole book of Jude or the epistle of Jude because it's telling us that what they were facing in that generation, in that context, is what every generation and every context of Christianity will face until the return of Jesus Christ, until He comes back to establish His kingdom. So what they were going through then is something that we can be going through today, and indeed, we are going through today. It reveals a condemnation that the counterfeit voices will always be in the church, looking the part, singing the same songs, saying the right things, but building a selfish empire and not building up the kingdom of God and bringing harm to the kingdom of God and trying to destroy it and divide and harm the lives of people that sincerely have a love for the Lord. It happened then and it's happening in our generation today. What do we make from all this reflection? Well, let me give you a couple of principles. That will be your practical lesson. Number one, that no amount of personality is worth ignoring the fruit. Jude is making a big deal about the importance of fruit by bringing about and talking about the inner condition of the counterfeit voices. And what this needs to tell us and teach us is that uh, it doesn't matter how good anyone sounds out there. It doesn't matter if they have a magnetic personality. It doesn't matter if they have the gift 
to uh, turn a short highlight video or a social media post into something viral and create a following for themselves. No amount of personality is worth ignoring the fruit. When we look and hear at voices within the church, in leadership, in the pulpits, in Christian television, in social media, we should never be persuaded to follow their personality. We should always take a moment to analyze the fruit. Just like Jude is telling us, these men that were talking, how do they talk about authority in the church? How do they talk about their own pastors? How do they talk about their own uh, authority uh, system in their own home? How do they talk about, how do they talk about others? What is what they're saying biblical? And even if it is biblical, and if it sounds biblical, are they saying it out of a pure heart? We need to look at the fruit of anyone that we're listening to uh, and understand that at the end of the day, anyone that has a platform, either in front of millions or just a few, they're just spokespeople for God. If you have an aspiration for full-time ministry, that should be humbling. That it's not our personality, but it's really the fruit that we build, our dependence on God. Because if what we're all concerned about is our own personality and our following and our platform and our profile, then we'll become those shepherds without sheep and those clouds without water and those autumn trees without fruit. We need to look and analyze the fruit before falling in love with the personality. Number two, no amount of popularity can mask the true condition. It seems that if Jude seems to talk about them in a way that his audience would identify those that were moving in that spirit. In other words, they were popular. These counterfeit voices were popular. And counterfeit voices are very popular in our day to day. But here is the thing. None of that popularity will be able to mask the true condition. The fact that at the end of the day, before the eyes of God, nothing is hidden. And even if someone looks the part and can be deceiving people, as Galatians says, God will not be mocked. And the true condition will be revealed in ways eventually. It is at this moment, as I prepare to close, that I think about those that maybe in the last few years had a great following, big following, and now have fallen away. I will mention names, but you will probably identify those people that will fit those categories. There's been a lot of that lately. And there will always be a lot of that in every year and in every generation. But what we need to remember is that as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are to first and foremost seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Live in a way that we build a godly fruit that is evident to God and will be evident to other people. That that is our first priority. That is our first calling. That we are to build a platform for the audience of one. That audience of one that eventually will be the one to judge us uh, 
according to what we did on the flesh. We need to do that as far as living for the Lord. And we also need to remember that even though we will be blessed and we will feel inclined to follow uh, uh, someone on TV or someone that you know personally because you connect with their style of communication or something that they say impacted you or a book that they wrote changed your life, we must remember that all of those things are just instruments. The only one that can truly transform us is the Spirit of the living God. And so we need to be careful, we need to watch out, because it is the counterfeit voices of the church that will bring the most harm to the church and to the mission to our generation today. Let us pray right now, and I hope this blesses you. Father, in Jesus' name, give us humility to walk in a way where rather than building names and personalities for ourselves, we will uh, live in a way that is pleasing to you. And God, give us discernment because this problem of counterfeit voices will always be a problem. It is a problem in our generation. Lord, give us discernment to cut through, Lord, the words and the sounds and the, and the spotlight and see the true condition of the people that we're listening to. And God, that you will really show us if they, what they're saying is coming from a place of humility and service or from a place of selfishness. And above all, Lord, we pray for grace to take on the mantle of this beautiful uh, commandment being laid out in the epistle of Jude. We want to be the ones to contend for the faith given to us in this generation, in our time, and in our city. So, Lord, give us the grace and the resources to do that in a way that is pleasing to you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWChapel. Until next time, much love.